a doctor, a god lover, two miracle babies, and an old man who dies happy. All that and much, much more in the Gospel of Luke. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. Welcome, like, subscribe, comment, get the gospel out there, and let's learn about the Bible together. Mm. Brandon, we are starting a brand new book in the New Testament today. Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke. One. Well, I guess it's new for us to talk about. It, yeah. It's not, it's not a new yeah, piece not, of literature or anything new. like that. It's pretty old. Yeah. Um, yes, old. the longest book in the New Testament. Mm. Kind of surprising because Matthew has more chapters. Yep. Right. Well, so does Acts. Mm -hmm. But uh, in twenty-four chapters, there's much more words in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, Mm. this the the Gospel of Luke with the with the Book of Acts, who are both written, as we'll see, by Luke, um, (laughs) comprise the bulk of the New Testament. I mean, well, I'd say I should say no one wrote more than Luke did in the New Testament. So Paul has what does he have? Twelve books. Mm -hmm. I forget the exact number, but. and if you include Hebrews, then 13. I don't, but... Um, and yeah, Luke wrote Wait, more Wait, you than don't him. think Paul wrote Hebrews? No. What? No. Really? I thought you were a Paul guy. I mean, I like Paul. Wait, who wrote, who wrote it then? I mean, we'll, we'll get there. Okay, fine. That's like whatever. months away still. Ugh. Don't be don't be impatient. Some people think Luke wrote Hebrews. Oh, my word. Because Luke... Well, I should, I'm going to hit myself here. We okay. Should, we okay. Should okay. Take this one step at a time, I guess. Well, we... we at least us two, we believe that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty. We can agree hard. on that. I think it's kind of hard to deny. Again, if you're more liberal and you don't, you know, you don't take uh, historical things at face value, or you don't take what the Scripture says at face value. Or now there is an exact truth. claim. Yeah. yeah, there's no, like a direct claim in the Book of Luke that it was written by Luke. Now, obviously, it bears that title. Church history is pretty overwhelming on the authorship of Luke. Um, but uh, there is good evidence actually in the scripture that Luke wrote Luke. There's there's good reason to believe that. Um, so it's it's clear, like we said, whoever wrote Luke also wrote Acts, and there are and there are portions of the book of Acts where the author is referring to himself on the journeys of Paul. Hmm. So it'll go from, you know, they Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas were going on a trip, to all of a sudden he'll say we. We stopped here. We did this. We went there. So the question then becomes, wait, wait, who is this person? Right. Who is this we? He goes unnamed in the, in the book of Acts. But we can see, as Paul writes, he lays out um, who his companions are in different places, right? So one of those people named is Luke. Now, um, so Colossians 4.14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Mm-hmm. So... Luke is mentioned here, also Demas. Demas, rip to Demas because he leaves the faith later on. Later did. And was it First Timothy? Yep. Uh, Paul mentions that. But here... Second, second Timothy. Second Timothy? Okay. Yeah. So kind of the end of, end of Paul's writings. Yep. But here um, he's, he's saying, these people are with me and they're greeting you in Colossae as we write this book. So we see a little bit about Luke. He's a companion of Paul. Mm-hmm. That's why there's the... Some people think there's a connection to Hebrews because Hebrews was definitely not written, well, I should say, (laughs) it does not reflect the style of Paul. Correct, yes. It reflects someone who's very educated, very skilled, but it's different from Paul. And so some people think, well, who was educated in Paul's circles? Who has this kind of sophisticated Greek writing? Well, Luke does. Mm -hmm. Luke does. I mean, Luke, here he's writing history, 
So it writes, it flows a little differently than Hebrews where it's more theology. But, uh, but that's why some people put that connection together. I don't really buy it. Mm-hmm. Also, Hebrews seems to be, a lot of people speculate it was written by someone who kind of has a Greek background and a Jewish background. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have a little bit of both. Uh, that's why I would go with Apollos, but we'll, we'll uh, go there later. Um, but yeah, some people see that as, as written by him as well. So, but we can definitely say Luke and Acts were written by the, the writer Luke. Now, right. just like Mark was not an apostle, Luke is not an apostle. Uh, so Matthew and John are both written by two of the 12, but uh, Mark and Luke are not. Right. But as we said, they're, every book in Scripture is written by someone either who's an apostle or part of the apostolic company, right. so closely tied to an apostle. I, I could trust Luke if he's hanging out with Paul a lot. Yeah. 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 Why not? So he's a doctor. So you, you kind of reflects in his writing. We'll see that a little bit. But uh, his writing somewhat reflects that. A lot of people point to that, that he kind of picks up on details. Like, I forget off the top of my head where it is in Luke, but someone has a fever. Other gospel writers mention they have a fever. Luke says he, that they had a high fever. So he's noting sort of more technical details of what's happening uh, medically because he pick up on that. Right. That's, that's his specialty. What, what, what kind of doctor was Luke? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, was he like a real doctor or was he like an optometrist? You know, is that a real doctor? I don't think so. Like we're going to fit you for glasses, he, uh, lens crafter. Was he a psychiatrist? Or maybe he had Ooh, a, yeah, uh, doctor you sure. know, uh, a doctor in um, educational theology. theology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> theology. yeah. Not a real doctor. Uh, no, but physician, yeah, because that word doctor for us can mean a lot of things, but physician definitely means he was a medical doctor of some sort. Makes sense. So I don't, I mean, good. Did they even have suturing wounds and stuff. He's probably good with a needle and thread. Well, and, and he was traveling with Paul, so Paul's getting beat up all the time. So <laughs> he got put to good work, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he, he was, we know he was highly educated. He would have been sort of upper class mm-hmm. because of that. And he know, he was close with Paul. And like I said, his Greek is very sophisticated. He writes in a way that's very difficult to interpret. Um, so if you're new to Greek, you're going to read the Gospel of John. You're going to read First John or something like that. You're not going to be reading Luke, Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, those are very difficult to understand. So... Um, and then he's he's a historian. So as we see, like look look at the first few verses here. So in, in chapter one, verse one, he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account. So what we see from that is that Luke is compiling information. Mm-hmm. He's a historian. He's going and researching, putting things together, and trying to give an orderly account. Some people think that that mention of an orderly account is kind of his, uh, he's kind of saying, I'm doing something different than Mark is, like his response to Mark. Mm. Because as we saw, Mark is kind of, it's a little bit haphazard. There's not a clear linear structure or oh, like yeah, a timeline. fast. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like it's random, but it groups a bunch of stories, but it doesn't have a... a a time development. Mm-hmm. You just start in the middle of, of Jesus's ministry. He's doing things. There's a turning point in the Passion Week. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of structure. So maybe he's doing that. Maybe he's trying to write something that's more orderly. But no matter what, probably he went back and he talked to people who mm-hmm. were involved in this. And you see that from some of the accounts that he gives. One thing that I've heard speculated, which I think may be true, is maybe Luke went and talked with Mary herself. Mm. 
because he has all this detail in the first couple chapters about Mary, right. her perspective, how she felt. Right. There's a lot of details about Mary and Elizabeth that aren't present in the other Gospels. Right. We get so, details about Jesus when he was a kid, you know? Yeah. yeah. So maybe he actually spoke to her and got her accounts. Maybe he spoke to people that were close to her. Mm-hmm. We don't know that for sure, obviously, but that's that's a, a speculation. So now one thing that's important to mention is if you were to choose someone to to be a fake author, like so if you... Like we know that there are fake gospels, right? Gospel of Peter, Gospel of Thomas, these gospels that were supposedly written by one of the disciples um, that are are much later and they're fake. Uh, if you were to write a fake gospel, which of course every book in scripture, someone's accused of being fake, <laughs> being you know pseudonymous, meaning that someone wrote under a pseudonym. Um, if you were to choose a fake author, why would you choose Luke? Mm. That that's a really interesting. Uh, thing to think about: Why would this be the person you choose? He's not a major figure in the the stories of Scripture, the narrative of the New Testament. So why would he be the one? That's so true. it kind of yeah. gives it a ring of truth, yeah. More, but when you look at the pieces of, he's Greek. He's probably from Antioch. That's what histor- history says. Um, he, uh, you know, so he's well educated. He has that background. The way he writes totally makes sense mm-hmm. in that regard. He's not like Matthew. We saw was very. Greek, or sorry, very Hebrew focused, very mm. much this facile scripture, right? Going back to scripture right. again and again. Luke is going to be more focused on Gentiles mm-hmm. and more focused on sort of the global picture. And there's even a development in Luke and Acts that points to the the global reach of the gospel. Mm. So awesome. So yeah, so Luke, I- interesting and important character. Cool. Who is it written to? Well, it's written to Theophilus. So the, the next part of verse three there says, He's writing an account to for you, most excellent Theophilus. 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 Mm. Um, good name. So that name means lover of God, God lover. Um, was that his real name? We it, Again, we don't know. Was he a real person? Much. Was he a real person? Yeah, so some people speculate that what's happening here is he's writing a book to people that want to know Jesus, that love God, right? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of writing in a way where he's addressing you, the reader, as Theophilus. I don't, it doesn't seem like that's probably the case. Mm-hmm. Just because of the way he addresses, he addresses Theophilus as most excellent Theophilus, which probably was a a, uh, a way of referring with respect to someone who was a, a person in authority. Mm-hmm. So we see that other places in scripture. So maybe Theophilus was not his real name. Maybe Theophilus was a way to hide the identity of the person receiving this letter. Um, we don't know. Maybe it was a government official, someone who didn't want to be known as a Christian, or yeah. uh, there's a risk to that, or or maybe they were just a wealthy patron mm-hmm. that was funding Luke's trip to go into research all of this. Right. So all of those are are possibilities, but we don't know for sure. Very cool. And um, where did he write it from? And like, when was it written? Yeah, we don't we don't know where he wrote it from. There's lots of speculations. Like he was Greek, so maybe Greece. Like <laughs> I don't know that that's like a <laughs> somewhere in this yeah, region yeah, of the world, yeah, like a country or <laughs> Rome. Rome sounds good. Let's do Rome, you know, uh, or Antioch. He's from Antioch. Why not Antioch? But no one knows. No one knows. Um, I don't think there's really great arguments for that either way. Personally, yeah. um, when was it written? Well, we know that the Book of Acts ends with events in AD 62. So Acts sort of stops. Like Paul's in prison. He's ministering in Rome, mm-hmm. and then it just sort of ends. Right. So that makes you think that, because you know later Paul, it, it's it's believed Paul went to different, uh, was out of prison and went different places, and then was eventually killed. So if 
if Luke had been around at that point, why wouldn't he have included those details? Right. Or there's other big things that happened in the 60s AD or in 70 AD. Mm-hmm. That's the big event with the destruction of the temple right. that Paul doesn't mention. So why wouldn't, or sorry, that Luke doesn't Luke, mention. Yeah. So why wouldn't he have mentioned the persecution of Nero? Right. That's kind of a huge event. Why wouldn't he have mentioned the destruction of, of Jerusalem and all that entailed and the fulfillment of prophecies right. that he that Jesus had talked about? That would have been a great detail to include in a historical book where he's looking at this you know pretty broad right. scope. And it seems like he's including historical details that he would, of course, use those. Yeah. yeah. And even like we'll look at Acts, but it feels like kind of a, a, a arbitrary or unnatural place to end the story, mm-hmm. which kind of marks it as a, as a true narrative, right? Because he, he kind of just cuts it off at the end of Paul's life before he, there's closure. And so that that shows that he probably wrote this, he probably finished writing it right at that time. Mm-hmm. So mid-60s AD, Acts is probably finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so when was Luke written? Well, it was written before Acts mm-hmm. because the beginning of Acts basically says yeah, this is part two. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've talked to you about this. Now it's the time of the second part. Right. So that would put it in the early 60s or late 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was written fairly early, right. you know, but probably not as early as Mark. Right. It seems most people would agree he, he kind of based things off of Mark's writing. Right. So that would, that would help us with dating as well. Awesome. Um, and then we do see an interesting note. In 1 Timothy 5.18, Paul quotes a direct quote from the Gospel of Luke. So he quotes that labor deserves his wages, which is a direct quote from Jesus' words in Luke 10.7. So when you date Timothy, which is still you know pretty early, we'll get there, but you know that shows us that he was probably, he probably already had access to Luke's Gospel. Hmm. Now, of course, it could have just been he, he heard a story that included that. But the fact that it's the exact same wording is... Is telling and yeah. it hints at the fact that Luke might have already had his gospel completed. Right. Yeah. That's good. So fascinating to think through, you know, how each of these books are written and, and you know, the company in which they were written and where they were written. It just, yeah, kind of puts you into the actual history of it all, you know? Yeah. I hope so. it's helpful for you as listeners to, to actually spend time thinking about, okay, there was intention to this book. There was a way it was composed. There was a real person behind it. Yeah. And that person, even though the Holy Spirit is inspiring this, that person's personality and disposition really does shape yeah, how the book technique, is composed. Yeah, all that comes out. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see a lot of that in this in this book. Very cool. So we, you know, we've, you know, looked at um, two other gospels at this point, and they all have the same story, the same good news message, but they focus in on a particular theme. So, what's the theme of Luke here? Yeah. So, a couple of big themes. So, one is salvation history. Kind of everyone notes this. Mm-hmm. He's focused on the unfolding plan of God. Um, in the story of scripture. And mm-hmm. so he's looking he's looking at kind of a broad level. So whereas Mark is very much focused on Jesus is in there, he's, he's acting. Paul, uh, Luke kind of reflects a little bit on the global scale. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's talking about uh, the big players before Jesus is born and what mm-hmm. led to that. So he's looking at a much broader scale and, um, and Acts will kind of bring that home. So we'll kind of look at that more in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. but Acts will basically build off of what what Luke started, cool. predictably. No, it's the sequel. We also see a huge focus on salvation mm-hmm. and on Jesus as Savior. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe th- this was something that was clear to, to you guys as you were reading in the first few chapters, is everyone's referring to Jesus as Savior or that salvation is coming through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, again, if you're a Christian, it's like, well, of course. Right. Isn't every gospel about that? Well, 
the amount of mentions that gets is very, it stands out very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so pick up on that, underline that, circle those words, whatever you want to do. But the, the sheer number of mentions in the book of Luke is really interesting yeah. because you know, a lot of the gospels will, um, will say things more indirectly about that. But the, the reality of salvation is just so clear. And that mm-hmm. word uh, as a verb and as a noun is used so often. Mm. We also, you know, many people have observed that the humanity of Jesus is focused on in Luke a little bit more, right. um, and we have a doctor writing, so maybe that's kind of part of that influence. So we'll see a little bit of that, um, but of course, he's still seen as divine, he's still seen as king, all mm-hmm. those things, but yeah. there's maybe a little bit more focus on that. There's also a focus on outcasts. I noticed this reading through, I noticed that more than I usually did, I, th- I feel like. Yeah, it, re- you know? it really stood out to yeah. me in the, uh, in the first half here. Um, that, uh, that there's a real focus on certain groups of people. So one is women, mm-hmm. huge focus on that. I mean, obviously starting with, with Elizabeth and Mary in the right. first chapter, but even the mentions of the company of women that are with Jesus, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of focus on women, which is unique because they weren't seen as, you know, of central importance at that right. time. Even like Elizabeth gets to name John. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was the Gentiles focus. There's a lot of, of talk about uh, the Gentiles and Jesus's mission to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a lot of mention of the poor. So the poor are a big focus, hmm. and really rich and poor are kind of big focus in, hmm. the, in the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. We also see the most parables of Jesus in Luke. So this has a, a huge number of parables, which will be fun to look at kind of in the second half of the book. And then the last theme, I know it's a lot of themes, but... Last theme is this movement toward Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And again, every gospel has this, but the way Luke presents it is very unique. Luke has a, the, the chunk, a big chunk of the middle of his book, mm-hmm. uh, like almost half the book, is just focused on Jesus going toward Jerusalem. Yeah, going toward and up. Like, it's, it's so funny, though, because like, he, like historically, he goes to Jerusalem a couple times, right? In his ministry, but like it kind of like displays it as like this yeah. One trajectory. We'll see that in John. Yeah, that he's going there a few times for different festivals and things. John mm-hmm. has a unique focus, but Luke really is building this this movement toward Jerusalem, which is really cool because it starts the focus of the book starts with the global. Right, it's talking about the Roman uh, Empire and this you know and who's governor and all these things, and then his ministry starts in Galilee, mm-hmm. and then he moves down you know into Samaria mm-hmm. and then to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and the book ends in Jerusalem, but then the book of Acts reverses that. So mm-hmm. the disciples start in Very Jerusalem, cool. they start to move outward, yeah. and eventually there, it ends in Rome. Mm-hmm. So you you see kind of a, a lot about his theology and what he sees God doing through that structure. Interesting, it's very important. Very cool. So, how are we going to separate out? The, I mean, like we talked about earlier, this is a really, really long gospel. Yeah. Um, so, how are we going to separate it out? I think we're going to do four videos for this gospel, right? I think actually five. Five. Until really it breaks five. down. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Yeah, because it's it's just so long. Yeah. Cool. So, how um, are we going to separate it out? And how is it helpful for us just to think through the structure? Yeah. So, chapters one through three are Jesus's preparation for his ministry. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see the birth narratives. We'll see Jesus being baptized and beginning his ministry. And then a, a few verses into chapter four, mm-hmm. we start to see his Galilean ministry. And mm-hmm. that goes really almost to the end of chapter nine. Okay. And then at the very tail end of chapter nine, we see this switch in 951, where he's journeying to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So he's moving from that northern Galilee region to Jerusalem, and uh, that that goes all the way through chapter 19. Mm. And then at the end of chapter 19, all the way through chapter 21, we see his Jerusalem ministry. Mm-hmm. So some key events in Jerusalem. And then in chapters 22 to 24, we see the Passion. So 
the death, resurrection of Jesus. Awesome. Okay, well, before we get into the text, what's the main reason Luke is writing? Mm. Yes, so we see this at the end of the intro, which we've walked through, right? Um, so he, he's written to Theophilus in verse 3, and then he says the reason why he's writing this to Theophilus, which is that you may have certainty mm. concerning the things you have been taught. Mm. So again, speculation here as to you know, who Theophilus is, but this is someone, or it's written you know, to an individual probably, but it's also written for a broader purpose of those who have come to faith in Jesus and want to have certainty about what they've been taught. So he's very much focused on evidence giving us truth, historical witnesses to uphold the testimony of the evangelist. Mm. And so that we can know that what we've been told about Jesus is true. So right. we, can, we can go here to have that sort of certainty about the events in Jesus' life. Very cool. Awesome. Well... Let's get into the text. We've already started a little bit, and obviously we've gone through one through four almost. But yeah, um, yeah. So that dedication is is very important and kind of kind of unique, yeah. Um, in terms of the other books, so there's a, a very clearly written, and it kind of has a formal feel in that intro that mm-hmm. that a educated person would take care to write. No, yeah. you know. Whereas John, it just feels more kind of organic. He's just getting into it. Or Mark, same thing. But this is a you know clear introduction to the letter, and then we see two miracle births. We mm-hmm. see John the Baptist and Jesus side by side. Now, only the Gospel of Luke focuses on the, the birth of John the Baptist. Right. For everyone else, it's just he kind of appears. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we have a lot of history. We, we learn that John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin. Mm-hmm. And then there's a relation here. We right. learn um, that he was also born in a miraculous way, mm-hmm. which is very important. So in verse 7, chapter 1, we see that um, Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist, are barren, they have have no children, and they were very old. There's no story in the Bible that's like that. Yeah, that's totally that's totally unique, right? <laughs> but we're preaching the gospel or the gospel of Genesis <laughs> through the book. That would be a great title for a series. Yeah. Um, but the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, and this is the theme over and over again, right? Yeah. So focused on old old couple can't have children, Abraham <laughs> and Sarah, and God does a miracle. And of course, there's many times in Scripture where the, a barren woman has a child, right. and they're all very significant. Mm-hmm. So this is miraculous. We see um, he's, he's, there's a, an appearance of the angel Gabriel mm-hmm. to Zechariah. He's given a name, which will be John. Yep. And, um, and then we see something similar in the, the life of Jesus, right, in the birth of Jesus. Well, I should say first, we see John the Baptist's purpose, too, in verses 16 and 17. It says, and he will... Oh, sorry, I should back up. Verse 15, mm-hmm. he's going to be a Nazarite from the womb. Right, so he's not to he's not to to drink wine or strong drink. This is this kind of ties him to Samson. Right, Samson had the same command given to him. Um, we looked at that when we went through the, book, the story of Samson, but it says uh, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the people, for the Lord, a people prepared. Hmm. So here's his purpose. So he's meant to have the ministry of Elijah. Right. Now, again, if you if you don't know about Elijah and Elisha and that relation and how it relates to this, go back and listen to our, I don't know exactly which episode it was, but mm-hmm. Old Testament, um, the the corresponding chapters in you know first and second Kings mm-hmm. on those those individuals. Because there's a lot of fascinating connections with Elijah and Elisha. Yeah. So Elijah is a picture of John who comes with this ministry of repentance. And even the way that we saw already, the way that 
John dresses is the same as Elijah. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus sort of has the ministry of Elisha, mm-hmm. who brings a, a message of salvation to the people. And so they're fulfilling a lot of the same mm-hmm. stories. They're showing that, that God is doing something even greater than he did with Elijah and Elisha. But John comes in that power to turn people from their sin and to prepare them for Jesus. That's his mission. Right. And then we see the birth of Jesus reflects a lot of the same the same things that happened in the, in the story of John the Baptist, mm. right? Uh, it's a miracle birth, but this time it's a greater miracle. Right. It, it, with John, it was a barren old woman, but with with Mary, it's someone who's a virgin. That's impossible. I mean, this is completely impossible. So this is shocking. This is the greatest of all of the stories in the Old Testament mm-hmm. about a barren woman having a child. Right. And, um, and he's given a name as well, but it's a greater name, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And verse 32 says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, hmm. and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Hmm. So the mentions of Son of the Most High, right? It, the emphasis that he's the Son of God, it's repeated again, Son of God in verse 35. Right. Um, this, is, this reminds us that this, these terms are not unique to one gospel, mm. that every gospel emphasizes his divinity and especially, right. as we saw that term son of God, his kingship. So this is, I mean, a, an echo of Second Samuel 7, mm. right? Where um, it says in Second Samuel seven twelve to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, God says, I will rise, raise up your offspring after you who will come from your body. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Hmm. So who is the king that's going to reign forever? That was promised to David way back then. Right. That's Jesus. Yep. So clearly stated. Um, and then we see these songs of, um, there's like a, a bunch of different songs. So there's the Magnificat first, mm-hmm. um, which sounds like a, I don't know, a great name for a, a cat to, to me. I don't know. I, that. Um, I don't like cats, but Mag- Magnificat, um, which is just a Latin for the first word in the song. Each name of the song is just the first word. Mm. But her focus in the Magnificat is on her status as an outcast mm. and God's redemption of her, of her position. Right. right. Look at verse 48. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mm-hmm. Or verse 52. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble state. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Hmm. So she's focusing on that um, God raising up those who are humble, those who are low. That's how she sees her own circumstances. And God, and this kind of shows us what Jesus' ministry is going to be all about. Hmm. Um, in Zechariah's song, the Benedictus, we see a big focus on salvation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this when you were reading, but man, it really jumped out to me. Um, he has raised up, verse 69, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So he's looking at Davidic covenant and salvation. Those are coming together in Jesus. Verse, seven, uh, verse 77 as well, to give the knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a salvation like an Old Testament salvation, an Exodus kind of salvation. Right. It is forgiveness of sins. Yeah. I mean, these are these are massive statements that he's making. So he's showing us that very nature mm-hmm. of Christ's salvation that he's going to bring. So, and we see, we don't have much time left, but we see the same stuff in the 
in the birth narrative that Jesus is an outcast, or he's born in the upper room. Yeah. Or he, sorry, there's no room in the upper room. Mm-hmm. So the upper room uh, it was not an inn, right. as we're often we often think of in the the you know plays at Christmas time, where the innkeeper says, "No, I don't like you." Yeah. This was probably a guest room mm-hmm. in their relative's house, most likely, and they were rejected from that upper room, and they were told to be with the animals, and so that the Nature of Jesus as an outcast is clear from the beginning. Yeah, it's humble. It's yeah. humiliating. You know? Yeah, he's no. he's outside. His The shepherds are the ones who come and, and celebrate his birth in Luke, mm-hmm. right? Um, where the Magi were the focus in Matthew. But uh, these, sh- these shepherds, we see a connection to Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David. Mm-hmm. So many of the great heroes were shepherds, and so it points to the nature of Jesus' ministry. Yeah. They're humble, yes, but they're also a pointer to Jesus as the good shepherd. Mm. And then we even notice this in the the temple narrative. When they come to offer a sacrifice, what do they offer? They offer, in chapter 2, verse 24, they offer a pair of turtle doves. Hmm. So that's significant because the the main sacrifice would be something bigger than that. But if you're poor, you could just offer a pair of of, uh, birds. Very cheap. Mm -hmm. And so they are lower class people. Hmm. They are poor people. Um, so anyway, we see we see a lot about that theme, and we're going to see the Gentiles in the New Dominus. We see that God, that the light of salvation from Jesus is for the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. That's the focus there. So yeah, we're seeing these themes come together. Yeah, that's Luke's like thrust, you know. Yeah, to those yeah. kind of people groups. Awesome. So um, yeah, we're out of time unfortunately today, but we're going to hit up the next part of the Gospel of Luke, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>